DevCom Podcast presents the Fireside Cast with your host, Lars Janssen. Welcome to a new episode of our DevCom Podcast series, bringing you the DevCom experience year-round. This time, it's a special episode with four guests at the same time, the incredible Intellivision team. And even though I think they don't need, need an introduction, I'm super excited to do it anyway. So I have here with me today, legendary video game composer and currently CEO and president at Intellivision Entertainment, Tommy Tallarico, games industry legend and board member at Intellivision, David Perry, the man bringing Microsoft to the internet <laughs> age and now global managing director at Intellivision, Jay Allard, and last but not least, uh, the president of Intellivision's European operations, Hans Ippisch. Welcome to all of you. Yo. Thank you. Hey, yo, thanks for having me, Lars. It's a pleasure. You sound important. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So knowing how passionate you all are about the Intellivision Amico, I have no doubt we'll have a very lively conversation for the next five hours or so. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I might try to squeeze a question in here and there if I get the chance. But for now, uh, I would say let's get started. Um, Tommy, what's your vision for the Amico and what kind of experience would you like to create together with all those amazing people here? I have no idea. No, um, <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to just put an end to your whole thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, in television, you know, the, the idea is, is that, you know, gaming has gotten to a direction where, you know, online multiplayer means online multiplayer, you know, in the late nineties when, um, when the internet crept into our world of gaming, um, you know, video games started to change. And with the home consoles, uh, today, you know, there's, there's, there's so much, you know, again, online kind of means a kid in a dark room with his headphones on. And, uh, the same thing goes with mobile, right? Now mobile has completely taken over, you know, the industry in terms of dollars and cents and people, you know, there's about 200 million hardcore gamers in the world. That's if you include, PC, uh, you know, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, Switch, about 200 million hardcores, but almost 3 billion people play casual and mobile games. So it's such a big difference. If you think about it in the terms of numbers, that's 7% of people who play video games are playing on the home consoles. But the problem with mobile, of course, is that that is also, it's very solitary, right? We've gotten to this age where you know, a video game is somebody staring at a screen by themselves. And, you know, when we all grew up, you know, we played games together with either as a family or friends over. And that's really the essence of in television. You know, our motto is together again. And what that basically means is our main focus, because yeah, you know, all of, all of those systems I mentioned do have examples of you know, couch co-op style games, but our complete 100% focus is bringing people together. And so every single one of our games has couch co-op, but really quick, the four big pillars of our company are simple, affordable, family, and entertainment. So those four things actually spell out the word safe as well. Uh, you know, we don't allow any teen or M-rated games, or of course, over in Europe, they're, you know, they use the Peggy system. But think of like 
everything's family friendly. Everything's, if you think in terms of movies, it's rated G, you know. Um, we just, you know, we don't allow any of that stuff on our system. Um, everything is affordable. Uh, the, the, the system comes with two controllers, which is the first time in 30 years that a video game system has come with two actual individual controllers. The last system was a Super Nintendo. You can also take your mobile device, download our free app, connect it right to the uh, to, right to Amico, and you can get up to eight players right out of the box on you know day one. Um, and so that's that's really the essence, though, making it simple, being inclusive to everyone, no matter what your skill level is. So if Grandpa wants to play with a young his young granddaughter, and Mom and Dad want to get in there and play as well. Everybody feels like they're, they're a part of it. And it's not like, oh, you know, grandpa do this, grandpa do that. Oh no. He said everything is simple, easy. Grandpa can actually beat anyone in the room, you know, so it's, it's that style of, of situation. And we feel that that's really kind of missing in modern day gaming, you know, uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the experience that, uh, I think we haven't had for, for quite a while. I mean, uh, you know, I remember those moments, you know, being on the couch, playing with friends and, you know, having, having a great time. So I definitely understand, uh, you know, what your, what your proposition is for that, for that console and the games that you're, um, that you're bringing to the market. So, you know, Dave Perry has a great story too about, um, that, that, you know, we always talk about for the last couple of years. You know, where is his, his, he, he might have friends and non-gamers come over. Dave, why, why don't you jump in? Well, you've got a good story too, actually. <clears throat> that, that I remember you telling me at the start of this whole thing was when one of your neighbors asked what video game console they should buy for their kids. That's and right. You, you said Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch. That's the, that's, that's the yeah. obvious choice. And then she came back saying, Tommy, that was a terrible suggestion. What, what the heck were you thinking? They're playing this game called Resident Evil. What is this? <laughs> There's blood all over the place. There's yeah, blood yeah. all over the place, right? And, um, and so it's funny because that used to be the automatic recommendation if you want family gaming is Nintendo, but, but not, um, not always. Um, and then, um, what I found is when I have people visiting, they, um, you, you may get a whole group of people of different age ranges that are at the house having dinner or whatever. And I always have wanted to try to get them to play together. And so I did that. I said, it was hard because they didn't want to. The older people were like, I don't play video games. I'm not interested. And I would say, please come and try. And I, I set up at the time the game, You Don't Know Jack. And so I got everybody to uh, to come into the room and listen to You Don't Know Jack and uh, and, and hear the questions. And they sat down. They were willing to give it a try. And here we go. I'm thinking they're going to have so much fun. We're all going to be laughing. This is going to be great. And the questions were things like, what is Bitcoin or what is what is a subreddit? And it was asking these these modern questions to a very niche audience that just destroyed, again, this idea that we, that we were going to just all have so much fun. And, I, and, and they immediately bailed. And they were done. And we're not going to do this again. And so that's been the challenge is to try to find ways to, to really entertain people that that are from different walks of life and that's kind of the, uh, the 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 goal here is to not just think about let's give them a hardcore game to play we want them to actually sit down and two completely different difficulty um 
are two capability levels at playing, like someone really who's never touched it before should be able to still have fun with someone who's been playing the game for a while. And that's a heck of a challenge that... Uh, Tommy's decided to take on. Um, but if we can get that done, that's going to be a, um, just a wonderful thing to get people to play together. The other thing is that I have this huge cabinet of games in my house that are board games. Like, it's so full of board games over the last 30 years that I'm actually a little scared to open it because when I do, they all sort of, they all want to fall out. And you can't find anything because there's just so many different games and they've all got different rules and, and all the rest. I would love to just take that entire cabinet and put it into the Amico and never have to deal with it again because board gaming is one of the ways that we solve this problem today. And that's why you see so much um, growth in board gaming, especially during COVID. But the idea that people can sit down and play together. But there's always this whole process of which game we're going to play and what are the rules and who's going to be in charge of the rules. And, and then there's always a lot of manual management. Even Monopoly takes time to manage. Um, so the idea that Amico can just take care of all of that work um, for the for the gamers, I think, is really great. So it's really, for me... Um, I can't wait to give it a try with a really wide range of people that visit. And um, and I, I think it's very clear that the games that Tommy's going after and, and building right now are, are perfectly compatible for that kind of audience. So what kind and, of games are you making? well had yeah. a great, had a great uh, story, you know, just like over Mother's Day. Um, Jay, why don't, you, why don't you tell that story? I, I, I loved when you uh, when you told me about that. Well, well, yeah, on Mom's Day, uh, you know, we're going through COVID, and so that's a, a pretty tender time. You know, my my mom's 73, and so we had the two grandkids were over, my brother and his wife, and me and Brenda came over, and pretty awkward to be socially distant on Mom's Day. So we're visiting <laughs> out on the back porch, and, you know, there's just a certain tension to the in the air. And I, I, I announced that, uh, you know, I took on this new job and uh, joined Tommy and the team at Intellivision. And had, had snuck over a copy of a, a title that Hans is working on over uh, in Germany, uh, the skiing title. And growing up, I had a television. My brother and I played on the couch together. Um, and mom and dad joined in quite a bit, too. And I said, Mom, do you remember that in television skiing game? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, you want to try it again? And so uh, we went into the, the living area. And, uh, you know, of course, the eight-year-old nephew grabbed the controller first. And, you know, he gives it a go. Um, and figures it out pretty quickly. And the 12-year-old's watching as the 8-year-old's playing it and does a little bit better on the thing. Uh, and then the controller goes over to mom and she doesn't even ask how to play it. You know, she goes and gives the thing a run. Um, and she was frustrated because halfway down the run, she finally figured out how to jump, that you could jump. And the two nephews hadn't figured out that you could jump yet. And she's like, Jay, why didn't you tell me I, I could have jumped? I could have been three <laughs> seconds faster. You know, and the whole family is having a laugh. And it was the most laughter that we shared all of Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, it's been 30 years since my mom picked up a game controller. And here she is playing with an eight-year-old and sharing an experience out of the box, unfinished software with a controller she's never put into her hand before um, in 10 minutes. We weren't waiting for software updates, system updates, downloading the patch <laughs> to the game, walking through a tutorial or anything else. It's taking me longer to tell the story than it did to have the moment. Um, and that's, you know, that's really the vision that we have for Intellivision is to just jump in and have a great time with your friends. 
Yeah, so speaking about the the games um, that you are building, I mean, they're all like, uh, as far as you describe them, like easy to get into. And so Hans, maybe, you know, you can talk a little bit about what you've already, uh, you know, tried to get from from development teams. What are you focusing on right now in terms of the initial games? Uh, and of course, like the rest of you guys, feel free to jump in as well. But I know, Hans, you've been working on this to some extent yeah. as well. Well, it's quite interesting to see uh, how, how developer uh, changed their minds about Amico. In the beginning, uh, that they, they didn't expect that console. They were looking for high tech and all that stuff. Uh, but once they found out what it's all about, uh, for example, at Asia, they are doing the skiing game. Uh, Wolfgang Ember told me, the boss there told me that the developers want to join that team now because it makes more fun to work on that kind of game uh, instead because you can easily jump in, work on it, and you can see the results. And, you know, the, all these three years uh, monsters where you, you don't see anything, it doesn't make fun to develop them too. And, uh, and the other thing, is that we found out now in the second round of developing since E3 that uh, developers now really uh, think about what can we do on, on, on Amico and now they fi find out that you can use the controllers, you can do things that you can't do on something else and in prior times they were looking about how many uh, what's the frame rate and all that stuff the frame rate is something we are looking at but it uh, should look great and it's it's about gameplay and having fun. That's the main thing about Amico and not having, uh, looking at a great game, but not having fun. And that's really amazing to see, uh, even the, the, the developers coming by now that they have really ideas for that. And we are opening a new, uh, I would say, a, a new, uh, segment for game developers also. And it's because it's still different than having a mobile phone to have a big screen, a controller with individual screens. And that's really great to see. And it, well, and with the passion that uh, our team has, it took them a while to understand, but now they, they love it. Hey, uh, Hans, why don't you talk? Cause this is DevCon. Um, why not talk a little bit about how different the developers, the comments that you've been getting from like the developers over in Germany, you've been getting so many different comments because they've been working with us the longest and kind of like our approach with them and the feedback that they get and the team and stuff. Oh, well, uh, they didn't expect to, to be working uh, so close with all of us. They thought, okay, they're doing a game for us and then they won't hear anything from America and they are doing it and I will probably tell them what to do. But they are were so, uh, um, it's so amazing to see that they were on a call, on a weekly call with all of the teams, with Tommy, with Mike Deeds, our uh, uh, art director, who he's a legend also, and with uh, uh, John Alvarez, and we are working on that, these games uh, as, a, as a team. And that's really amazing to see. Uh, they, uh, they said they didn't expect this ever to happen. And, you know, when uh, nine hours time difference, when you get in the office in the morning and then you get the uh, 40 pages email from Tommy with uh, uh, ideas, it's something like, oh, my God, they didn't expect that. And that's really something I always say internally. Uh, I think I could get uh, uh, good products developed here in Germany. 
But having Tommy and Mike and then Che and all these great guys giving input makes uh, the game is a completely new story. Nobody was expecting that. And, uh, and you know, we, I'm working with really, really uh, young, small teams and they are, all of them are willing to, to uh, learn something and they are getting better every day. And it's really amazing to see. And even for me, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought, well, we're going to do make a game and then we'll see what happens. But that's um, it's the same like we are talking here right now. We have the same kind of communication every day. We had it uh, yesterday for two hours about a game. Then tomorrow we are always talking with them. And uh, because the most important thing about Amico uh, is it's a great the concept and machine and name. But the most important thing is having great games and having fun. That's uh, the most important thing, and and Tommy is, doesn't doesn't accept any compromises on that one. He's really pushing the developers hard, and uh, well, that's great. Well, well, another thing is that we're as uh, developers. First of all, the European developers are doing an amazing job. So good job on finding them and and and, and supporting them. Um, but what you're also seeing now is developers have kids too. And so they'll go, they'll go to, to work on some big mega title that's going to take years. Um, and their kid has no access to it, can't play those builds. I mean, it's, it's not really, um, they, they don't feel involved. Whereas if they are working on a game f on Amico, it, they're actually building it to play with their kid. And that's a very mm -hmm. different, I'm not building Absolutely. this because I have to sell to the hardcore gaming world. I'm building this for my son. And I think yeah. that's an incredible um, place for a developer mentally to be because they're going to put the extra effort in. And the fact that they can, a small team, can do this is incredible. It's. I grew up um, in the United Kingdom, and there they, they, they called them bedroom coders. And so we would all... We'd make the whole game because at the time audio was really lame. And so, you know, you just beep and things like that. And the graphics when I started were black and white. So it was perfectly okay for one person to do everything. But then as teams grew, the bedroom coders died away. And then as mobile came back, suddenly two people could make a game again. You'd have a programmer and an artist. And, um, and, and poor old Tommy would be sad to hear there was no audio person at that point, but they quickly got a third person doing audio. Um, but teams started to make really great games again, but, but a small group of people, not, not these big mega teams. And it was really fun because lots and lots and lots of, um, um, of new ideas get tried. It's really, really hard to, when you have a large team, I've worked, um, you know, on behalf of some property owners with companies like Electronic Arts. And when that, when that machine gets rolling and they're making the game and you go, but hold on a minute, these gamers aren't having fun here. They're like, we have no time. <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. We're like, yeah. this is like a million dollars a month plus, um, multiple millions a month. We are not, we're not changing anything. We just have to get this done. And so that becomes really hard and it, and it makes sense, right? But, but in reality, it's not the best thing for the gamer. And, um, and so this idea that, that you can, you know, sort of work with some friends that are really talented, like find those two or three really talented people and then build games that you're going to play with your kids, um, is, is a whole different way of thinking about development. So are you actively trying to find um, like new teams, new developers that uh, actually want to use the Amico to, you know, create a footprint? I mean, I know some of the teams, Hans, that you've been talking to, they uh, some of them have experience, some others have, uh, you know, not really developed uh, for, for all kind of different platforms. So is, is that kind of part of the strategy that you want to give new uh, developers a chance as well? 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely want as many talented people working on Amico as possible. Um, but the, the thing is, is that one important thing to note is that we don't have an open platform, right? It, it's one of the issues I see that's cropped up in the game industry over the last, I don't know, say 10 years, where when did quantity replace quality? That's what I want to know, right? Rem- remember back in the 80s, Nintendo had that Nintendo seal of approval on like all the NES games, right? And that like meant something back then. It's like, if I saw that seal, I knew that like, you know, this game had gone through rigorous testing and it was this and that. And um even by the end of the life cycle of the NES, that kind of seal of quality went, went away. I, I know because I worked on some of those crappy games. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, you look at mobile and there's thousands. I, I think, I think I read an article where it said there's a thousand new video games that come out every week across iOS and Android. So a in, week. In right? 2018, it was 792 games a day that were released on. A day. Uh, yes, oh that were gosh. released on, uh, on iOS. It's ins- I mean, how many yeah. fart apps do you need? You know, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, the answer is three. But anyway, the R two D two farting. Come on, I have it. Uh, there's an app for that. Um, no, but you know, and and so and then you look on Steam, which is a great such a great, amazing, you know, publishing thing for independent developers to kind of get on there, you know, make their own money. But if you, if you talk to independent developers, like they'll make a game and then they'll try to port it on Switch and Steam and Android and maybe PS4 digitally and maybe Xbox digitally. And, and they're bootstrapping everything themselves. They don't have any marketing money. There's no, you know, they don't have a PR firm or a, you know, internal PR department. So they, they bootstrap everything. You know, they're, maybe they're, they're, they're staying with their mom or, or they're living in a dorm with three or four other guys sharing an apartment and eating ramen so that they can make this game, right? And they go through this for a year, two years, and then the thing comes out on Steam or mobile, and then, like, it's on the new releases for literally about 45 minutes, right? And and because so many different things, boom, and now you're gone. You're one opportunity. And you see it with the Nintendo Switch as well. You look in the eShop, and there's a whole bunch of games for 14 cents, for 2 cents, for five cents. And what they're trying to do there is, hey, let, we're going to give away our title in hopes that so many people will download it, then we'll then show up on the what's hot list on the eShop, and then we'll start charging $10 again, you know? And this, this is an issue like independent developers shouldn't have to deal with that kind of, of, of thing. And this is what the system has become, right? And so... What Intellivision does, you know, we sat down, we said, how can we fix this? How can we fix this? And so, you know, the, the ecosystem that we've created is to say, look, we're going to be a true partner with the developers. We, we're going to, we're, we're going to be on the same team and we're going to give you, like Hans was mentioning, you want art directors, you want code optimizers, you want audio to be provided, whatever you need. 
right? We were, we're going to give you, but most importantly, marketing and, and PR will handle all that. It's a true partnership, right? It's like, you know how they say there's first party titles, you know, like Mario and Zelda on Nintendo or God of War, Uncharted on Sony, Halo on Xbox. Those are considered first party titles. And then second party titles are when those hardware manufacturers will hire outside studios to do a first party title for them, right? And then of course, third party titles are EA, Activision, Ubisoft, things like that. So all, a lot of our games, most of the majority of our games are second party titles, meaning, you know, yes, they're first party for us, but we're sitting there financing everything upfront. So that's another big thing, right? You think about the indie developers. If they're not bootstrapping it on their own, then they're trying to do an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter campaign, right? And and a lot of times, which is a great platform, I mean, you take somebody like Toby Fox, who raised like $50,000 on Kickstarter to create Undertale. And he did everything, the music, the art, the game design, the programming. And now that's a franchise worth tens of millions of dollars. So, so that's, that's an amazing thing, but that's one out of a million, right? What we're doing is let's foster that creativity. Cause when I look in the video game industry right now, again, you know, and, and it's not to despair. I'm not trying to despair. Anything I say isn't to despair. It's like, I love Sony. I love Microsoft. I love Nintendo. I, I, I love gaming in general. I think in order to really call yourself a gamer, you know, th- there can't be any of this elitism that you see and, oh, I hate Nintendo or I hate Sony or, you know, no, if you're a true lover of games, you can find great things on every single platform, whether it's PC, PC, mobile, whatever. Now, you might prefer a certain platform, but fine. So, um, but, you know, when, when you think about, um, you know, like th- the way that developers have to approach certain things because of certain rules or restrictions or, or this and that. We, we come in and we say, look, we're going to pay for everything up front. And they're like, what, wait, you're going to pay us to do a game? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it typically works. They're like, Oh, okay. We don't have to do a Kickstarter or, or, or bootstrap this. No, we bring in, we foster everything and then we help to promote it. And our promise to all the game developers is that once you, um, you know, once you put a game on Amico, you're, you'll have, um, we're going to promote your game. And when your game comes out, there will be no other games that come out that week or that for that seven to 10 days or 10 to 14 days. That's initially how we're going to handle the platform. So everyone gets the spotlight and that is not something that's for sale to Activision or EA, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, the best creativity is happening where in the independent developers. And again, not to disparage, but, but like, I pick up the latest, say, Assassin's Creed game, and I'm like so done with it by like the first 10 minutes. You know, it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's, it's the next, it's Madden. It's, it's, it's the next this, it's the next that. And it's always the next first person shooter. And yeah, maybe they changed the little things and maybe the graphics look better and maybe the AI is better. And now I can play a multiplayer, blah, 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 blah. But at the core, it's like, yeah, but you're a character killing things. And that's the game, right? And, but you look in the indie world and some of the creativity that's going, I feel 
that all of the creativity, the really unique stuff is coming from that world. Those are the people we're seeking out. Though, you know, we, we don't want a, 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 an indie developer to say, Hey, I got this great 2D fighter. You know, that it's exactly like Street Fighter and exactly like, you know, everything or a, you know, 2D beat em up. We're looking for folks that have completely unique ideas, unique ways of looking. And the way that we've created the hardware is so unique that we're finding developers coming to us, creating things for our console that we never even thought could be possible. And that's the really fun thing. You give these, these, you know, young, talented folks the opportunity to create something unique. And that's where, you know, the real excitement comes from because all of our games, let me, let me just stress this. Every single game that's on Amico cannot be played on any other video game system. And the reason for that is a lot of it is created around our very unique hardware, our very unique controllers. The fact that everybody has a screen on their controller, the fact that we, we, you know, want couch co-op and we focus on that as well. Now, every game has single player. Don't get me wrong, but all of the couch co-op games, imagine every single person on a couch who has a screen, a microphone, all the, the colors on the disc and the buttons light up, a gyroscope, an accelerometer, force feedback, you know, these kind of things. When you think about, oh, wow, I have, you know, I have certain information that that other person doesn't have. Dave mentioned board games. You know, think of games like, think of a easy, simple, one of the most popular card games in the world next to Solitaire. Solitaire is number one. The number two is Texas Hold'em. Think about this. Never in the history of the video game industry has anyone been able to play a real game of Texas Hold'em. And, and the way I say that is because what's the best part of Texas Hold'em? Well, Texas Hold'em, the best part is you're looking around the table. Who's bluffing? You're looking in somebody's eyes, trying to read the, read them. And then when you do throw down that straight flush and you can go, aha, you know, your, your buddy's right there. Suck it, you know, and, and you're having that interaction. But every single Texas Hold'em game is online. With ours, everybody has, you know, the, the flop can be on the TV screen and everybody has their two cards in the hole looking at them, protecting them from everybody else. Think about games like Scrabble, games like Monopoly, games like Telestrations or Pictionary, where you can draw right on the cons, you know, right on the controller and then certain people can see that drawing and certain people can't. And then so you can see how all of this amazing stuff you know, opens itself up. And that's the exciting thing. And that's why it's so important for developers to understand what the big difference is with what, you know, we're doing compared to others. 
So, so talking about the um, the spotlight uh, that you can give developers, uh, I'm wondering about the the spotlight that you guys need to create for the introduction of the new console. I know you're all, all working very hard on uh, you know placing it in the market, getting it out the door. And uh, uh, Jay, I think you have some experience with uh, doing this, like uh, back in the day for <laughs> for Microsoft and creating like the the first Xbox experience. So, how challenging is that uh, for you guys? I mean, there's there's uh, you know new next gen consoles coming up, um, and you're placing uh, the Amico in the market so what are you looking for how do you how do you want to introduce this uh, other than like the the games that we're talking about how do you make sure that you create the spotlight for the console in the market that uh, developers actually you know get that spotlight afterwards and people you know go yeah. to the stores and buy the thing I'll, I'll, I'll say a few words and I'll let Jay uh, jump in. So our go-to-market strategy is very unique and different from all the other consoles and things out there. And the reason for that is that we really don't feel like Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, PC gaming. We don't feel like that's our competition. Our competition is like Dave mentioned, is board games and puzzles. That's our competition. That's the kind of entertainment that that, you know, people are going to need to decide to do with a group of people. Right. Um, and so we really don't, we're such, we're such a, on a different track. Think, think of Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo. They're like the formula one car, right? Whereas it's a single seater. It gets you from point A to point B faster than anyone, uh, you know, it can get right. So we're not trying to make the, the Prius to their formula one. What we're doing is we've invented the bicycle, meaning the bicycle gets you from point A to point B, but you can bring a whole bunch of friends with you on that bicycle trip and you can stop and smell the roses and you feel the sunlight on your face. It's a different experience from getting from point A to point B, completely different. So we really don't feel like there, you know, there's competition there. And so what we're doing for our strategy is that we we're introducing this to families, right? Um, mom influencers, for example, there's a, you can Google mom 2.0 summit in television. Just put in mom 2.0 and in television. And what that is, it's the leading influencer conference where all the mom influencers gather and you'll see who the title sponsor is in television, right? Things like Christian music festivals, for example, places you'd never see, you know, Nintendo or PlayStation, you know, advertising at, right? Um, you know, we're doing a lot of that stuff. Um, in mall, demonstrations, in-store demonstrations. Uh, you know, we know, the, see, the secret of the Nintendo Wii, if you remember the Wii, that was 14 years ago. This was really the last console that, that you know, got non-gamers to play a game because they all wanted to play bowling. Oh, let's go bowling. That's easy. All I have to do is swing my arm. Nursing homes were purchasing Wiis, right? And so, you know, their folks that did the marketing who were in charge, the, the vice president of marketing for Nintendo during that time, she was there for 18 years. She launched Pokemon. She launched the Nintendo DS. Um, her name's Perrin Kaplan. Perrin's working with us. <laughs> so, so, you know, we understand how they were able to achieve success with the Wii and th that the success was get it in people's hands. So our market, you know, 
the Ellen DeGeneres show, for example, is, is a perfect, you know, example of, or Oprah's, you know, Oprah's magazine and, and things like that. These are examples of getting it in front of people who normally don't, aren't targeted to video games. And by the way, I'll tell you another great way uh, to advertise our system is in mobile gaming, <laughs> so, you know, like mobile gaming has all these in-app ads, you know, how about an ad that comes up? Hey, do you like simple games? Tired of playing on your own? <laughs> you know, try the Intellivision Amica. Um, you know, so, so our approach is very, very different. Um, and, and I know Jay has a, a bunch of great info uh, on this as well, which, which I'll have him add. Well, I think the question of how do you successfully introduce a, a product um, is a little backward thinking, right? I think there's a lot of emphasis that people put into, well, what's your marketing budget and what channels are you going to be in? And they're fair questions, but I think it starts with building an amazing experience. And amazing experiences have a way to transcend our culture, right? I mean, marketing oftentimes and advertising and breaking through, if you need to break through, then you didn't make something exceptional. You made something average that you need to create awareness around. Angry Birds didn't launch with a $15 million marketing budget. They created something <laughs> that was right for the time. That was a super experience that people really loved. Um, I invite anybody to watch the iPod launch introduction. The introduction of the iPod launch was nine minutes long. It was completely underwhelming. Steve didn't stand up and promise we're going to revolutionize the music industry. He talked about bandwidth, storage capacity, codec performance, et cetera, et cetera. There was no Bono on stage. There was no, you know, high production value uh, experience. There was no online store. It only ran on your Mac. It didn't run on PC. You know, it was an accessory for your iMac. But it gravi people gravitate towards amazing experiences. And so while, of course, we're thinking about our go-to-market strategy, but, you know, like the independent developers um, that are jumping on board and bringing their amazing creativity, most of our focus is putting the amazing creativity into an amazing experience. And if we deliver amazing, all the advertising in the world isn't going to help or hurt us. And if we deliver average, we don't have a big enough budget to succeed. So we know we have to deliver amazing. And, you know, being on the Xbox team and trying to bring that to market, I remember, I know Hans remembers, many of the folks on the call probably remember that E3 just before we launched, and Halo got panned. Everybody in the media said it was a dud. Total disappointment, three years in development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't solve that with a marketing budget, guys. We went home, licked our wounds, turned off, you know, turned down our media diet and built something great. And we delivered it and we didn't have to spend a lot of mar marketing money to sell it. We didn't have to break through. It was great. The people that played it loved it and they were our marketing. So happy customers is the only marketing that really breaks through, especially in today's day and age. I mean, that was Word you know, mouth, 2000, yeah. 2001, man, that we, we launched Halo. Do you know what the digital ad space looked like? Do you know what the impressions per hour for the average consumer <laughs> was? It's one-tenth, one-hundredth of what it is today. Advertising doesn't work. Advertising doesn't get you to break through. Amazing experiences do. So, you know, Tickle Me Elmo didn't launch with a big budget. iPod didn't launch with a big budget. Halo didn't launch with a big budget. 
Angry Birds didn't launch with a big budget. We are not going to launch with a big budget. We're going to launch with a kick-ass product. Yeah. Yeah. One, one other thing, actually, Jay, you talk about um, Angry Birds. I think something that's um, very, very important with Angry Birds is is you ask the question, is it for males or females? And the answer is, well, both. And 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 as a as a decision, as a development decision, to start with, let's not build our game for only half of the world, um, is is usually a good thing. And and so I, I love the fact that um, Miko is being built specifically to make sure that the games will cover boys and girls. The console is not just built for hardcore males. Um, and I I'm hoping. That um, when when a girl sees some of the games that are going to be on it, and they're in the store and they're looking at the box, they're going to want it and desire it just as much as the boys. And that's a great challenge because that's half of planet Earth, right? And usually you keep seeing that with successful things. Imagine somehow we processed the original iPod as being for males. That would have been terrible. Um, and the fact that everyone feels like it's for them is is really the goal. It's Tetris, right? Yeah. And Tetris is Tetris for males or females. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the, the other amazing thing that blew me away when I was looking at this, you know, seeing these statistics and, and data and research, a lot of people don't under, don't even know this, but you take the video game industry as a whole, you know, $150 billion a year industry. 55% of that is mobile. 25% of that is home console. 20% of it is PC. And these, you know, they go up and down by 5% each one every year. But, but those are kind of around the norms. Um, and, and so $150 billion. But here's what doesn't change. This blew my mind, right? If you look at the data of who plays video games, those 3 billion people that we spoke about earlier, about 51% is male. And 49% is female. That's in itself is, is pretty awesome, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and mobile, because it's simple and easy and convenient, mobile really helped that along because it wasn't like that before. But here's the mind blowing stat out of that $150 billion. Now I'm not talking about people who play. We just mentioned it's about 50 50. How much of that money was spent? by females. And this is the number that blows people away. Can I tell you? It's over 80%. <laughs> so think about that. 80% of all the money spent in the video game industry is spent by women. Now, why is that? Why is there so? Well, who buys games for the kids? at home. Who's typically in charge of the entertainment pocketbook or purse, as they say, um, you know, within the family unit? And who's spending a lot on the simple hyper casual games? Now, all of us here have probably played mobile games. And when we play mobile games, we probably don't spend any money. Because we're males and we're stubborn. We're just like, you know, when the when the tickets run out, we'll be like, yeah, we'll just wait Till tomorrow and they'll they'll you know they'll they'll build back up again my wife shannon uh-uh you know oh she the unicorn's ten dollars i need to get the unicorn ah, boom 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 you spend eighty dollars on on some horse simulation thing <laughs> you know, i needed to get the pegasus it was 20 bucks are you kidding me i'm not gonna wait two months you know so so guys are more stubborn when it comes to, and again these are hyper casual games and that's the big thing to think about right 
see games on, and I encounter this sometimes online, like some of the like elitist haters will say, what do you mean? There's already casual games on, on, on all the consoles. They usually use like Nintendo switch in his example. Like there's tons of casual games on the switch. And see, the thing is, is that what a gamer thinks is a casual game is not a casual game for somebody who's not a gamer. So, for example, Animal Crossing, Casual Crashers. Um, the big one in, in my house was Overcooked. So you take, and I love Overcooked, right? Uh, it's a some fantastic game, amazing developers. But I sat, I sit my wife Shannon down and she's, yeah, I wouldn't even call her a non-gamer. She's a casual gamer for sure. But I sit her down. And we say, okay, let's play Overcooked because everybody's talking about Overcooked couch co-op, so much fun. Great. She sits down. She she puts the you know the 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 switch uh, controller, the little tiny four inch thing in her hand. She's like, what what's this? This isn't very comfortable. Which way do I hold it? And all these buttons and things. I don't even. No, no. no okay, here's how you do it. Okay, fine. Boom. First barrier crossed. Um, and then she's like, so so wait a second. I'm cleaning dishes and cooking food in this game. Um, yeah, well, that's the, she's like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, <laughs> you know, if this, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't like doing that in real life. Why would I do it in my video game? And then of course there's this two minute timer or whatever, like on your market set, go panic. Ah, hurry up, get as many stuff. And, and she's like, I, I don't, I, but, but I don't want, I want to relax. My whole life is about panic, panic. So you can see how non-gamers or casual gamers or females have such a very different perspective in the way they enjoy things and enjoy games and the way they view this content than males do, right? And, and so it is, or, or hardcore gamers do. So it's so interesting to kind of, you know, as, you know, creating, uh, as we all, the team creates these experiences on Amico, how can we break that fourth wall? How can we, you know, bash down in every single game that's on the system? We have 50 games in production right now. And, and, and I'd say, you know, 90% of them, can be sit down right away. Cause we do have a couple of hardcore games, but even those have modes where people who don't know, you know, like non gamers can actually jump in and enjoy. But, but 90% of the games are people can sit down who've never played a game, start to get in it like Jay's mom, right? Haven't played in 50 years can sit down and start playing. So important and well, so Tommy, interesting. One- you know? One thing um, that we talked about a lot at the beginning when you were first thinking of this uh, console was um, the old Nolan Bushnell um, description. I remember Nolan saying, um, you know, you have to be able to describe the game in a sentence. and e- Easy know, to you, learn you, and a lifetime yeah. master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. You can't. You can't be giving me paragraph after paragraph of instructions before I can play. And so, it, you know, it's something like "Don't let the big fish eat you." Is is the entire instructions for the game? Um, that works really well. I found um, my my dad never really had much interest in in games, and um, but he loved soccer. And one day I was playing FIFA soccer, so he walked into the room, and he said, "Wow, that sounds just like a real soccer game." And and I'm like, well, yeah, they actually take microphones into the stadium, and it's actually the real sound from a game. And he goes, wow, it looks just like 
like a real soccer game because the players were all on the field and it's a, you know, a, a real field he recognized. And he said, can I have a go? And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to play. This is so great. Like the graphics and the audio have pulled him in. And I go, OK, Uh-oh. well, these two these two buttons are the slide button. This is the high kick. This is the, you know, the fast pass. Here's the shoot button. And he just looked at it and he just set it down and walked away. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was like, no, I had him. I totally had him for a minute. And so well, but but you that... also tell the story, though, about even in FIFA, like it has like a one button mode, but yes, they couldn't yes. help themselves. Right. Talk no, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had people come over and they 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 uh, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to put it in complete idiot mode. So they have a, a one button mode or is it two button um, like pass and shoot? I think it's two button <laughs> mode. And uh, even then, there, you can still press run faster, and now you can beat everybody else because you can still sprint and they can't because <laughs> it's not two-button mode. There was more. They and couldn't so, help themselves. Had to have more. <laughs> yeah, there's always more. And so, um, yeah, that's the problem is, 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 is just trying to make it. It's very hard to do, but if you think of a game like Centipede, how long does it take to explain to someone how to play centipede and they can immediately have fun with you and now it's it's uh you're playing against someone else i used to find playing tetris against somebody else more fun than playing it by myself i mean it's a great game but i when when you get two people playing against each other it's really fun and so um again you just have to be able to fire it up and go and i think that's the the common thread and and it's something we're, we're trying very hard i know to to make that clear to the developers, please don't go crazy and create something that's got lots of complexity. And that's really something that Jay has been so helpful and impactful uh, in the, you know, short month, uh, you know, that he's been with us is, you know, because you, you do, you get into these modes where we're trying to make so many things like, okay, here's 50 things and let's try to make them as simple as possible. And then, and then uh, you know, and then Jay walks, will walk in and go, Hey, I got an idea how to make it uh, super simple. Those fifty things, yeah, get rid of them. <laughs> don't, don't don't try to make fifty things simple. How about you don't just don't have them at all? And we're like, oh yeah, you know, e- even what like like our inclination, like when you boot up the machine for the very first time, every single home console says, okay, do you have internet? Let's connect to your internet, right? So even that, and it's like, and so we were trying to like minimize everything. Let's, let's pare down everything to as simplest of terms. Well, do you have to get on the internet? Yeah. Do you have to set the time on your machine? I, I guess you have to set the language. Yeah. Okay. So boom, boom. And let's, let's, what are all these minimal requirements? And it's like seven steps, right? It was Whereas 14. in the old days, was that? It was 14, Tommy. It was 14. 14, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's four, four, and, and probably 50 button clicks just to, before you play your first game. But then it, you it say- It was 14 then, if you skipped four steps. It's 14 if you skipped four. And yeah. then so, so Jay comes in and he goes, you know what? How about you don't connect it to the internet on the first startup unless, until- you want to go into the store. If, if you want to go see the store or if you want to, you know, put your leaderboard, like bring your score online or whatever like that. So don't make them connect to the internet unless they need to. Don't force them to at the beginning, right? So it's that kind of thinking that's like, you know, you just take a step back from everything. And that's where Jay's been just, just unbelievable, you know? 
It's a feeling I have anyway in the entire industry right now that reducing complexity is is so hard that some people just uh, as developers pretty much give in and say, okay, and we we need to add more here and more there. So I guess it's uh, very difficult sometimes to get to a point where there's nothing left to remove pretty much. I have one interesting fact today. Uh, I had a meeting with a former executive of Nickelodeon and MTV, uh, a, a woman, and uh, uh, they will make sure that we're going to the market in a different way than the typical consult does. And she was presenting a, a market research uh, done now from March to till May. So during the COVID uh, thing. And uh, you, I didn't believe the, the figures, but the, the question was within families, what are the most popular consoles used at that time right now? And number one was with 20% PlayStation 4. Number two was uh, with 13.7% Switch. And number three was with 13.3% Wii. A 14 year old console is the most popular, uh, wow. only close behind, uh, and then nothing else. And that's really amazing to see that, uh, people are using the Wii 14 years old right now. And I couldn't believe it. Well, well, and that's it, a proof. Uh, Hans, la- la- well, I remember last year, uh, Ubisoft put out Just Dance and they put it out for the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and kind of like as a goof, you know, they put it out for the Nintendo Wii. It was the first Wii game in like seven or eight years, right? And can I tell you, the Wii version of Just Dance outsold all the other platforms combined, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, what What more information and research do you need? 102 million Wiis in the world. They were $249 US 14 years ago, Right. And, and, and it's amazing. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but, th- and that's the thing, you know. Well, t- Tommy, t- I got go another ahead. one for you. I just literally bought, I kid you not, I just bought a PlayStation 2 and all the Guitar Hero games so I can have <laughs> that in the house. I just, I'm so, it, it was so fun. I just have such great memories of people playing together that game that I, I, uh, I, I just bought a whole new, I don't even know where my old PS2 went. I had a PS3 in my living room. I don't know where the two went. So um, I had to buy another one, which is ridiculous. And then buying the games, they're actually quite expensive to buy the First world now. problems and, here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in reality, now I'm going to have like Guitar Hero available in the living room. And that that's what this is about. It's about the memory of the fun and knowing that that it just all these other games that I have. It's not like I have any shortage of games. Good God, I have so many games. Um, but, but finding the ones that – I remember people leaving my house and rushing to go buy PlayStation because of Guitar Hero. Um, they they just because it was the first time they'd ever played a video game and they just had so much fun with a guitar and I would of course put on easy um, and so this is it's that feeling that I'm really looking forward to in in having the uh, you know people playing together and laughing and we've seen it so that's the hard part is the people that are out there haven't actually watched people playing in television together yet the Amico um, but when they see people play and start laughing together um, then then that really shows why it's different um, because they're, they're, they're not, they're just not seeing that um, on a normal day to day gameplay. 
So talking about uh, the games, Tommy, you mentioned that you have like about 50 games in development right now. Uh, so uh, just covering maybe the hard facts a little bit for the listeners that are not too familiar with the Amico so far. So how many games are you going to uh, have at launch uh, of the uh, the platform? And how do I get new titles? I mean, you said they're gonna, probably going to release them like uh, every like week or two to give the spotlight to developers. Uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about your kind of your plans there. Yeah. So, uh, w well, the uh, first thing to note is that we have five distinct categories and each of those categories covers about 20%. So, you know, equally. So five categories, 20% each. Um, and the five categories are this sports and recreation. So, you know, obviously, you know, your baseball, hockey, soccer, uh, basketball, football, that, that, Skiing. but also recreation. So, Things like cornhole and horseshoes and, and pool and darts and all those kind of fun recreational sports games as well. So that's 20%. Another 20% is original IPs. These are things that are completely designed from scratch. No one's ever seen them before and really, really take advantage of the uniqueness of the controller. I'll give you an example. We have a game called Safe Cracker where the dial um, on the, uh, the, 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 the disc on Amico is like the dial of, of a safe. And so when you encounter a safe and you're, you're, you know, it's a 64 position dial. Um, and so you're, you're hearing it and it's clicking. So you hear it through the speaker and then it's vibrating a little bit and, and it's lighting up. And then once you get to the, you know, the, the tumbler, it's like, it, it makes a little bit of a different sound and it, and a little bit of a different vibration. It's like, ooh. That's the one thing, you know, oh, I got it. And then you start to dial it the other way, you know? So all these kind of really cool, unique ways to use the controller. So that's original IPs. The, th the third thing is what I call retro reimagined. So what we did is we went out and we got all the biggest and best retro licenses, all the Atari stuff from Centipede to Pong to Missile Command to Tempest and Asteroids and, and uh, Yars Revenge and adventure and all these kind of uh, great things, warlords, um, and games like Moon Patrol and Burger Time and even the old Intellivision games, you know, some of our bigger ones. And so re what's retro imagined? Well, what we do is we don't want to change the gameplay, right? I mean, I, I've played like 10 versions of modern day Frogger where, oh, you're the frog and you're in this 3D environment hopping around and you have to pick. No, 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 no. Don't want that. Mom's not going to play that, right? It's like, we, we, you know, let's do the same gameplay, but update the graphics, update the audio. And then how can we... In, you know, yes, single player, yes, some unlockables. So maybe you get different, you know, boards with whatnot. Um, but then how do we make it co-op? So I'll give you an example. Let's say, um, let's take the game Frogger as a, as a test here, you know, as a, and, and so again, Frogger single player game always was, you know, this net. So how can, so we say to ourselves, how can we make that a fun couch co-op game? Well, imagine this. Because remember, our controllers light up as well. So imagine that, you know, the, the, the six of us were, were playing, um, uh, you know, we're playing Frogger. Now, every one of our controllers is lit up a different color of the color frog we are. So I'm red, Jay's blue, Dave's orange, Hans is, you know, pink. Sorry, Hans. Uh, you know, Lars, <laughs> Lars, you're, you know, green or whatever. 
And so I know who everybody is. I know that Lars is the green frog because his controller's lit up green. I can just look over to my right and say, oh, you're the green guy. Okay, fine. On your mark, get set, go. All six of us are trying to get to the top. Oh, did I mention? There's only five openings, <laughs> right? And so now you're trying to like, who can get there first? Oh, I'm going to try to block him from getting on the log. And maybe I, you know, can. So it's this kind of, you know, again, it's a simple game that everyone knows how to play. You get it. You get from point A to point B and everybody can grab it. So retro reimagine another very important uh, thing. The fourth thing is casual, meaning Board games, dice games, card games, crossword, word puzzle games. Um, you know, we have a great, uh, one of our pack-in games is the game Farkle, very, you know, worldwide, international, uh, you know, dice game, very simple to learn. And it's really cool though is that because everybody has a screen on their controller, you can, you can look at the dice on your screen and you can shake the controller. And you hear the dice coming right out of the speaker on your controller, just your speaker alone, and you're shaking it and you're seeing them hit the walls and it's shaking when it hits the walls. And when it's your turn, okay, Tommy's turn, boom, you throw, you use the motion controls to throw the dice up onto the screen. And just that one little thing that no one's ever been able to do before is like a wow factor moment for grandma. She's just like sitting there just, oh, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. Just shaking the dice. <laughs> like She's having fun just shaking the dice. And then when it's her turn, she gets to pour them out, right? Um, so those style games. And then the last category, which I think is very, very important, that is non-existent now in the console market and industry because of the way it's changed is edutainment. Kids and edutainment, right? I'm talking about, you know, two to seven year olds. Now, back in the old days, 15, 20 years ago, you had companies like THQ, EA Kids, you know, all these different, you know, companies had you know, kind of like their kids division, right? Because this is before mobile. But then once mobile took over, now all the edutainment stuff went to mobile, right? Try to find me an edutainment title for a four-year-old for, for the PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Doesn't exist. How insane is this, right? Always used to be there. But the other thing is, because edutainment is now just on tablet and mobile, what else does that mean? It means that it's solitary. So there isn't a single edutainment game where mom can sit down with their child and, and learn and play together or, or a group of kids or older sister and younger brother want to sit down and play. There's nothing there. It doesn't even exist. Now, there might be one or two things out there that, that I'm, that I'm skipping over. But in regards to hyper casual edutainment couch co-op, super important category, name me five games. Go. Can't do it. Right. And so. This is 20% of our, now we've, we've just announced this week that we signed a big exclusive deal with Sesame Street, the most, you know, amazing edutainment company out there, right? Um, for 50 plus years. 
And so we're working together with them, but not only, okay, here's Cookie Monster, but how can mom be involved? And we add motion controls. Oh, mom can help mix the cookies. Uh, cookie, cookie, how to make the cookies. And mom's sitting there mixing the cookie mix and you need two cups of, you know, milk and then one, two. And you can see how like getting more people involved. It's not just like, Oh, here's your mobile device, kid. Go and, and amuse yourself for two hours. You know, there's a research that just came out. It said, what's the number one issue with young parents today? And you know what their number one concern was in regards to their children? Giving them too much alone screen time, right? And you see it every day with every family. Now, I'm the only CEO of a video game company that you'll hear say the next the next words. I don't think that people, especially young kids, should be playing video games all the time. What? What? <laughs> you know, how can you say that? Right. Because, because I'm, again, I'm, I'm being honest, you know, you know, when we were kids growing up, we went outside, we grabbed a stick off the ground and, and we played with our friends and that was our lightsaber. We used our imaginations. We read books. We played outside. We used our imaginations. In the 21st century, there's so much, so much data, so much visual, you know, input, so many different devices to get it from where, you know, you know, children should be, should be using their imaginations as well. And there's a whole generation of kids that are growing up not being so. Even the games that we're making on our platform are incorporating how can we focus on having kids use their imagination even within the games when they're playing the games as well. Very important to us, but an important, you know, thing that, you know, for, for parents to know, like, look, we're not trying to, you know, we, again, we don't have any in-app purchases. There's no in-app advertising. There's no loot boxes. We don't sell your data to other companies. We don't, uh, you know, all this, all this stuff that you have to deal with on mobile. You don't have pop-up windows. Now my phone, why is my phone slowing down? Oh, geez. You know, we get rid of, of all of that. And, and the main thing, you know, it's interesting is that I'll, I'll give you another, a, a quick story. Last Christmas, I, I, you know, I got Red Dead 2. I was a big fan of Red Dead Redemption, you know, on the first one. And I finally get Red Dead 2. It was sitting in my shrink wrap on my stairs for like two months, right? I finally get the week off of Christmas. Let me, I'm going to, you know, my wife was going to work that day and, and okay, I got the house to myself. I'm, let me put this and I unrank it, shrink wrap. I throw it in the PlayStation 4. I swear to God, no exaggeration. It's like, I had to wait six hours. It had to do all the updates. It had to download each of the discs. I had to go back to make the thing. Boom, ba -da boom, boom. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so my whole day was done. It's like, oh, I guess I can't play the game today, right? The next day I go back and now I'm sitting in a dark room by myself playing this game. And I realized something, you know, my dog wants to go for a walk. My wife wants to go for a hike. You know, my, I haven't called my mom in three days. My dad's calling me. I felt like, you know what? I feel guilty. I feel guilty playing this game because I know I'm going to put 50, 60, 70 hours into this game. Probably I'm going to spend five, six hours a day by myself in a dark room. 
you feel guilty. I didn't, we don't have the time as, as adults and, and responsible adults that, that we did when we were in our teens or twenties, right? And so that's the other big thing about Amico. We're not selling guilt because when you spend time with others, that's something you don't feel guilty about, right? You're sitting in a room spending time with your wife, spending time with your kids, spending time with your friend you haven't seen in a couple weeks or months or your mom comes over at Thanksgiving and you're enjoying these moments. This is something that's really, really interesting and, and focused because the one thing to know about in television, this is an overall thing. And I, and I say this to everybody all the time, anyone who will listen, is that we're not only are we not selling guilt, but the two biggest things for us to provide to our end users, to our customers, to our fans, to our consumers is trust and value. Those are the two most important things. And again, you won't hear a CEO say this, but money isn't my main objective. Now, don't let, don't let me hear my CFO, Nick, hear that. He'll, 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 <laughs> I hope he's not listening. I hope he's not listening. But, but, but trust in value, because my grandfather and father always instilled upon me, look, if you can provide trust in value and you're successful, then the money will follow. Then that's something the successful follow after that. Never do things for the money. And you look at where the mobile market is and you know damn well what their end goal is, don't you? You know, how can we suck as much money out of people as possible? And at what point in the game do we start sucking money? And like, they literally have, you know, you know, company-wide meetings about how can we get people addicted and then suck them in? And then how can we get those big whales to come in? And they literally change the game around how their whales are playing, right? It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's just, it's a different way of thinking for us. It's refreshing to to hear that. To be honest, I mean, there's uh, you know not a lot of people that would um, you know talk about the, the the games and the experience they want to create the same way like you know, like you do. And I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, I had the same uh, experience with uh, Red Dead Two when I got the game. You know, I had it <laughs> similar to what you were just saying. I had it, you know, sitting on my uh, my uh, table in the living room for quite a while, and then I installed it. And it took me like uh, in a long time. It's like I don't know ninety something gigabytes or something that I wanted to install. It, it took forever, uh, and I had that same moment of like uh, am i going to sit here and, and waste the time and not spend the time with my daughter or my, my wife and then play that so i i totally know where you're coming from with that and uh, also regarding the the money issue uh, i mean I, I see that i talk to a lot of um, people here on the podcast and also you know obviously in the industry and a lot of them are uh talking you know money first and foremost and uh i couldn't agree more that it comes with the experience that you create uh, money is is in the in you know the uh, economic success is usually a byproduct of uh, doing the rest right from from my point of view but not a lot of people actually have this in mind because they're very driven by you know i don't know exit strategies or whatever they have they want to sell the company grow it big very fast so um it's, it's really cool to talk to someone who wants to uh, kind of get rid of all those um uh, typical assumptions and, and do it in a different way uh so now I lars could, let me ask you this you're a hardcore gamer right so well i used so, to be more to be honest i mean i played uh, a lot you're of, not I, as much now uh, not as much now i you know I, right. my daughter is five years old you know I, I i can totally feel where you're coming from you know i want to spend time with my my kid and, and and my wife and i'm not like you said i don't want to be alone in the room and, and play games for hours
hours. I'm an RPG fan. I usually play like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 hour games. Uh, and, uh, that is, I wouldn't say that is time wasted, but it's time that I could spend differently. And, uh, right. I, I, every year I, I, you know, I get older. I still, you know, love games. Um, but I think differently about it. And, uh, there's other things that matter to me uh, at the same time. So if uh, your Amico, for example, could create that experience, um, uh, that would be awesome, you know. And that's the amazing thing is that the first generation of people who grew up on video games, you know, people, my, me, Jay, Dave, Hans, all of our, you know, we, we're the kind of the Gen Xers, right? So video games, you know, late seventies, early eighties, when they really started to come into their own, we were all 10, 12, 13 years old at that time. So we're the first generation to grow up on video games. And now we've had kids and you'll see millennials, which is the number one target. Uh, the number one um, demographic in the world now, it used to be their parents, the baby boomers, but we've, we're experiencing something on the planet Earth that we've never seen before. There's 21 million households in the United States alone that have kids between the ages of two and seven. In Europe, there's another 21 million. And if you include Canada and Mexico, so just North America and Europe, there is 65 million households in America, uh, in the world, uh, in, in those two places, 65 million households that have kids between the ages of two and seven. Now, typically in the video game world, you know, there's, you know, you maybe you start on something like a leapfrog or, or something on the mobile device. You know, you're giving them at four or five years old. By nine, ten years old, they're on Roblox and they're on Minecraft. Um, Twelve years old, that's when they hit uh, uh, Fortnite, you know, the Switch. You know, you're getting in around 10, 11, 12. Um, and then, of course, you know, the teenagers want the PlayStation, the Xbox. Then you get into your late teens. Now you're on the PCs. That's generally like the thing. But wait a second. There was a big gap there, right? There's a gap between two and seven. The number one demographic on the planet is not even being, you know, catered to. So it's interesting that all of these folks like yourself and Lars, I'm assuming you're maybe millennial generation. What, well, that's I, a funny I, thing. I was born 1980 and I just recently learned that uh, millennials started in 1981. So I'm kind of on. Okay. So you're caught. <laughs> you're cut off. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but the interesting thing is what do we know about the millennial generation is that they had kids later, right? They left their homes later. They, they, you know, so, so all my millennial friends and, and, and I, you know, I'll, I'll say you're in there. People between the ages of like 30 and 36, 37, they're like just starting to have kids now. Like our parents, all of us on this call, our parents like were married at 23, yeah. had their first kids at 25, you know, our generation and, and younger, uh, you know, Gen X millennials, they wait, you know, we waited a longer time uh, to get, have our, you know, crap together, but, you know, to, to, you know, to start doing that stuff. Well, I guess I'm a good example. I'm 39. My daughter is five. And, uh, I, I, I can totally relate to that because, you know, when you said like the demographic of two to seven year old, uh, th there's no content for, it, for them. To be honest, that is true. I mean, just recently I've been looking and I'm constantly doing that. I'm looking at all the platforms, be it mobile or the consoles, or I'm looking for things I can do together with my daughter, uh, you know, so I can share, you know, what I love to do with her as well. And there's not a lot 
that I can find that actually makes sense. You mentioned edutainment before as one of the areas. Yes, of course, there's something on, on mobile, a bit on, on like iPad or iPhone or something. But uh, I can definitely, uh, you know, relate to what you're talking about that uh, I would love to have more content, things that I can actually do together with her and have that shared experience, especially in, in these difficult times around COVID and, and all this only way where all you want is like being together with people and, and actually, you know, have some fun. And you know, when you right. know, when you realize that you're not a hardcore gamer anymore, when you return to the game one week later and you don't know how to get off the horse. Oh my God. That is yeah, so, yeah, you don't know the controls. So Red yeah. Dead 2, yeah, that was that, the thing, you know, I, I started that game. I played Red Dead 2 for like, I don't know, three hours or so. Uh, that was the time I wanted to put in there. And to be honest, I haven't touched it since. And I, yeah. I love Wild West, you know, I'm a big Texas yeah, guy and it's, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm really, that's my setting. You know, I, I want to, you know, to really play that game. And I like the first one, but it was just, it was just weird. A week later, I was like, Oh, am I going to start it again? Yeah. Well, and I launched it and I had no idea what it was doing. I didn't really, oh uh, you know, memorize what I was doing before. <laughs> I, I needed to look at the buttons and, and everything. Well, and I was like, hopefully the game too. is going to tell me what I need to do, but it didn't. Well, you barely so finished the tutorial, Lars. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's pretty much yeah. it. It felt, it felt so bad. You know, <laughs> I was, I was putting five hours, hours into in that. and you were still only on the first, uh, uh, cutscene. <laughs> and, and, oh, and I, I thought it never happened to me when people asked me when I was like in my 20s or so is oh you I'm always going to be a hardcore gamer don't worry whatever game is going to come out in the future I'm going to be able to master it no big deal and I realized well that's probably not the case anymore you know I'm, I'm just uh, getting too slow and I'm not able to memorize all the things that I, that I should so that's why and I think we we all kind of have the same experience you know throughout the years I mean you guys have more extensive experience in the industry but I've also been doing this now for for over 12 years and uh, and I can see that uh, you know things change uh, not only because I work in the industry now and before I was like a just a gamer um, but also because you know you have different uh, different values different priorities that you do have so I think uh, there is a huge opportunity for something like you guys are doing. Uh, well, I yes. just sent you a pre-order link, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> In your inbox, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So to play... To, to, to be really honest, I mean, we are games. also like in my other function. I'm kind of work for this company that is distributing, I think, your uh, platform. So uh, well, don't screw uh, up. <laughs> don't screw up. Yeah. We need you. No, so I find um, that I, I end up um, getting too many games and because yeah. I, I, I want to experience as many as possible. And that Red Dead example is... is just my entire life. I because to play a game that's hardcore, you have to commit to it. You have to put the time in. You have to get really good at the controls, and uh, and I, I'm context switching on to five other games, and it just it just breaks my head. But but I also I just going back for a moment there. I but, think but you got I, before we get too rough on on Red Dead guys. I mean it's a great is, it's a great game. No, I love is, Red Dead. I love there it. There is it's, a it's point a though that. That having that kind of sophistication, you know, and relationship with a game takes immersion to the next level. You know, well, let me give and, an and example. there is a My... category of games that wants to draw you in. Riding a horse isn't that easy either. And shooting bad guys with a sawed off shotgun in the real yeah. world turns out to require a little bit of finesse too, you know? So, um, <laughs> I think that it's just a different category. It's not the category we're focused on. Right. Simple is uh, easy yeah, my, to say, but it's very hard to do. Yeah. My daughter's asked, um, she said, you know, I don't really play um, games on consoles. I only play on mobile. And, you know, I'd like to play a game on a console. And I keep hearing about Red Dead Redemption, too. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to go for it. But but you know what? I'm Have you actually done it building Have up you done to it? it. No, because Will I, you film a, it. I, I film it. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, film the experience. Gonna, I want to see 
what happens. Yeah, that'll be really fun to see. So what I found is in my career, I made a lot of video games based on movies and movie properties. And what I found is when I used to get in my car and drive all the way up to Hollywood and get into a room with all these um, old school executives they had no interest in video games because they hadn't grown up with them they're just they're they're just out of that window they missed it and and um and i would sit in the room and they just couldn't see the point and and licensing things was really hard like i made the terminator and they say you can't be um, arnold schwarzenegger and i'm like but we can't make the terminator without you know arnold schwarzenegger i guess we're gonna have to be sarah connor then you know linda (laughs) hamilton and they're like you can't be sarah connor (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're like, but how am I going to make this game? And and so those meetings continued for years to so much pain. And then finally, I met the Wachowski brothers, and and you've got someone who grew up with video games, and they totally get it, and they want to make they actually see the point. And so I love that culture is there now. Like most families, um, you know, with with young kids, have all grown up with video games, and and will embrace <laughs> it into the home. It's not something they see like they don't want in the home. They actually grew up and love games. As a side note to that, though, the first Matrix game you made with them, you couldn't play Neo. <laughs> so they still didn't get it. It was, no, no, it was we, only until we, the second game. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's actually well, that was because of the, that was because the storyline. That was for a different reason. Uh, but I preferred but, Aladdin yeah. anyway, Dave. Aladdin was, I think, the better choice. Aladdin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aladdin, yeah. Well, Aladdin, Aladdin is a good example where the direct, it was uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg understood that games yeah. were important and said, "Well, we'll help you in any way you want," and that changed everything. Suddenly, you have Disney working with you. So, I just think it's important that um, that the people that, that that are out there that can have an impact um, grew up with games because then they really understand it. And and we're finally through that wall. And so, um, I think a lot of the, the uh, you know, I think you're a perfect example, Lars, of of a of a. Of, you're going to find, and this is this is my challenge to Tommy. Honestly, is you're going to find that your daughter goes through different things that she's into. Like my daughter was into Smurfs, and then she was into um, mermaids, and it, it, I was looking everywhere. Is there anything mermaid anywhere? Because <laughs> that's what she absolutely is obsessed by, and um, and so. I think that's going to be important too for Miko is that, that we, we understand the, the, the things that kids really want to play and they will be very motivated to play Amico because it's, 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 it's got something that's interesting to them. And, um, and that's, that's really truly uh, an ongoing library challenge for you, Tommy, is to, is to sort of understand that. And, and well, again, yeah, sure na- you... name, name a mermaid video game. Yeah, it's hard, right? And, and then, and, but if you think of Shannon, Shannon loves horses, right? So if there was yeah. a horse game, um, she would find that really. She'd probably be drawn right to that immediately. Red Dead Redemption. So. <laughs> yeah, Red Dead, yeah. <laughs> and, and then once you're done with the horse, you can jump off it, stab it, rip it open, and cook it. She's gonna love that. But we have we have uh, unicorn overlays for the controller. That's a secret, by the way. Yeah, you have yeah. unicorn right. overlays and, and mermaid ones. Actually, after talking to Dave over the weekend, we actually were designing mermaid ones. So my daughter also yeah. is really into mermaids. So so definitely. I, but uh, speaking about go. what kids love, I mean, are you guys looking into getting like uh, to license IP? Like I don't know. Giving example, my daughter is like super into Paw Patrol, and all her friends are, or she used to be. I mean, right now, I guess, I guess we moved on to other areas. But uh, is that something that you they are trying to do as well? Like bringing um you know well-known ip especially for for kids onto the um the console 
Absolutely. We're going to be making some uh, big announcements uh, over the next month or so about some of the incredible things uh, that, that we have and some of the incredible partners that we're working with. Yeah, I mentioned like just this week, we, we announced Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, more for the younger, you know, two to two to six, two to seven year old. But um, but yes, beyond that, so many, uh, so many exciting things to be announcing over the next couple months. But as always, find it very surprising and, and, and interesting how much brand-driven some of the kids at that age already are. <laughs> I mean, talking to to my daughter's friends, I mean, they're all like, oh, do you know this? Do you know that? Oh, it's about shows and, and or other kind of brands. So I guess it's a good move to to actually go in that direction. And also because the yeah. parents are going to look for for content that they, you know, have seen well, on shows. Well, you know, I think, I think, Lars, one of the reasons that parents uh, and kids are gravitate towards brands to make purchase decisions is because it's safe. Yeah. It gets back to what Tommy says, you know, you buy a little mermaid doll uh, and you know, you buy your daughter, the little mermaid DVD. Hey, you know, it's safe. Like everything in that family of little mermaid is safe, but you know, can you trust that this box that you're going to attach to your television set is only going to give safe experiences? You know, that that's a, that's a real issue for people. And that's why, you know, our commitment to safe only content, family safe content is vital. Um, and so, yes, I think sometimes, you know, there's the familiarity thing, but I think one factor is probably the safety factor and knowing that it's a five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old appropriate piece of content and that the values behind that content are going to mirror that of the family. Yeah, yeah, so it's, so interesting. It, it's a great business model too for the license holder, but I don't know about you guys. When I grew up, I, I got my box of Intellivision games here. None of them were licensed. There was an MLB game, and there was a Tron game. Yeah, the sports, well, let me, yeah, the sports let me give you an example, Jay. But everything was else once, was safe. I was once in a store, and I saw this grandmother um, offering to buy a game for a kid, and she couldn't afford much, and so they were sort of in the bargain area. And she pulled out Gunstar Heroes on Sega Genesis, and I remember at the time going, great choice, Grandma! That's a great game! Good one! And, and the kid was like, no, I don't want that. And he ended up buying, you know, one of those LCD watches with Mortal Kombat's logo on it, which oh. is just unplayable garbage, <laughs> right? Like, you're going to play Mortal Kombat with a liquid crystal display watch for $10? It was a terrible choice. And, and But brainwashed, I have to have Mortal Kombat. And, 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 I, and that's the sad part when you see that, because... Um, sometimes the games, um, you know, they, 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 Gunstar Heroes, for example, didn't get the marketing and didn't didn't have that uh, that that. The, the, but boy, Grandma nearly did really great. I was. So I, ha so I have pleased. to share a story here as well, since you said Mortal Kombat. So I remember when I was like. I think 11 years old or whatever the time was that Mortal Kombat 3 came out, I kind of talked my grandma into getting the game for me. And obviously here in Germany, that, that game was like no way a <laughs> yeah. game that was appropriate for my age, you know? Yeah. It was like, nah, that, that one was not banned. I think the Mortal Kombat 2 was, uh, was banned, but uh, Mortal Kombat 3 was officially sold. I, I actually did uh, the audio for that game. So, I did, cool. I did the audio for Mortal Kombat 3. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was a, it was a great game. I wanted to have it, but like, it was nowhere near appropriate for my age. And, uh, that couldn't, uh, couldn't happen with the Amiga now because you know parents know they uh, you know could get a game and it would be safe i mean i might still try to you know trick him into get me something else but i just had to remember that story when you shared well, it Dave. it's interesting because you know the the typical blowback to that is yeah but parents should parent like yeah. you know that, that you know somebody say well you know it's it's really it's up to the parents to 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 you know watch what their kids are playing and doing and get involved with their life 
absolutely a hundred percent agree with that, right? right? But like, like Jay brought, you know, me and Jay were having a discussion about this a few weeks ago, and it's like, yeah, but if you don't have to worry about it, it's just one less device that they don't have to worry about. Like, cause you think about all the devices you have hooked up to your TV and there's mobiles and there's tablets and there's Netflix and there's Disney plus and there's boom, but boom, but boom, but boom, but boom. And just not being able, you, you just don't have to worry about it. So yes, I agree. Parents should parent, but to give parents something that just one less thing they need to worry about, cause they have all this other stuff that they always have to worry about. Right. We're, we're something they don't. And so that's, that's kind of the proposition there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, right now looking into, uh, you know, how, how we keep our daughter busy. I mean, kindergartens are closed, schools are closed, uh, everywhere. And, uh, I mean, next week they reopen again, I guess. But, uh, the thing is, uh, I, I can totally agree with what you were saying, Tommy, because it's, it's, uh, now being a parent, it's sometimes very difficult to make sure that we can feel safe keeping our daughter entertained during the time we have to work and cannot be there for her 100%. And I guess everybody feels that right now. I mean, as much as we love spending time with her, um, sometimes it's just not possible. So I, I definitely uh, think that, you know, being safe and knowing that, you know, there's no, she's not going to see any content that's not appropriate uh, is definitely worth a lot. I mean, Walt Disney is one of my heroes, the man, Walt Disney. And and so, you know, a lot of time and Willy Wonka as well. <laughs> um, and so a lot of times <laughs> when I approach amico as a whole or when i'm thinking about something to do i i i do kind of think back of what what would walt disney do or how did walt disney approach something like this and and again we're, we're kind of it's like we're creating disneyland for a home console right mm -hmm. where you know when 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 walt first you know had the idea of disneyland and he told his brother who is his cfo and he told different people they're like are you crazy like why would adults aren't going to want to go to some fantasy place where their kids are going to be going on rides and stuff what a boy you're you're insane you've walt you finally lost it right and how and about a video game concert with orchestras playing video game music <laughs> they told me the same thing right they said well who the hell would go see an orchestra people who go to an orchestra don't play video games and people yeah. who play video games don't go to an orchestra so th again they were calling me crazy video games live are you insane and you know i did the first show at the hollywood bowl people are like are you nuts you're risking your entire career you're lucky if 500 people show up well 11,000 people showed up and we won all sorts of guinness world records the show's been going for 18 years now and uh, all of a sudden i wasn't so crazy so the same thing here people are like are you kidding me how can you possibly compete with the likes of sony and microsoft and nintendo and my answer is well we're not <laughs> We're not competing with them, but but yeah, it is it is kind of interesting, you know, to uh, to think about it in that way. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Disneyland, I, might, I took my wife to Disneyland in Paris for the for her fortieth birthday this year. So, and we definitely enjoyed it. So we don't didn't need my daughter as an excuse. So I, I, I don't know where you're coming from there. I think it's important. I mean, we're all gamers, and you know, we should stay young in our hearts and really appreciate those things. And so and my uh, wife tried me when we were playing cornhole for the first time. And uh, usually I play with my two sons and my wife, Anna, has seen that we were playing and usually the, she doesn't play video games. But she said, oh, I want to have it a try. I give it a go. And she joined us and we had a lot of fun and then even made, made a video of that. And it was really, that's the amazing power of uh, something that is, seems to be entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that my wife is like a core gamer as well. So we played a lot of games together in the past, but even now we would all enjoy, you know, having the more casual experience together as a family. So, so looking into the future, maybe a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of 
um, understand where you guys see this going. I mean, you're, you're launching the console, obviously, you're bringing out great games, uh, you know, creating entertainment uh, for the families. Where do you see this thing, you know, going forward? Is that something that you constantly want to develop games for? Do you, do you have something bigger in mind already, like you want to, you know, expand this entire ecosystem around the Amico? Is there anything you can already share? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, you know, it, the interesting thing about our machine is, is that, you know, we don't, or our experience, I hate calling it a machine and machine, you know, it's it, 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 our experience is, is that typical video game consoles have a seven year life cycle, right? And, and you say, well, why, why do they have seven year life cycles? And the reason for that is because technology gets to a certain spot where they can now upgrade the experience. Now we can have 8K games. Now we can have, you know, real time tessellation on the thing and the, you know, all these different amazing Dolby Atmos coming from the ceiling and under your ass or whatever, you know, all these different things. And, but for Amico, you know, and, and this really, this, this really goes to the core of, of what we're doing is that, you know what? We haven't like, made big announcements or done big videos about the technology behind our machine. Oh, it's got such and such a chip and it does such and such a thing. You know, again, let all the others do that because they're really good at that, right? Um, for us, graphics aren't the most important thing, right? Again, you look at the games like Tetris, Minecraft, uh, you know, Wii Bowling, uh, Wii Sports. These are all the biggest selling games of all time. Uh, Solitaire most played video game ever in the history of video games. And you look at the graphics and you go, yeah, it's a bunch of squares. Like game. Tommy, play. it was really, wor that was really worrying to me when that happened, because I, I was at a dance competition. My daughter used to do these dance competitions and yeah. there were so many girls there, like, you know, probably thousands because it was in Las Vegas. And I would look down a row and you would see this whole row of girls playing uh, Minecraft and I was looking at the graphics at the time, just going, "What the hell? Oh my god! On? If I was if I was an artist in the video game industry, <laughs> I'd be panicking right now. Right? <laughs> this is unbelievable. This this is like all the time. There's people working on sweat simulation right now, trying to make that everything look right. as, as as real as possible. And I'm seeing everyone playing graphics that are literally turning like like trying to look super old polygons and, and from it, the early 90s it was yeah. it was so shocking or mid 90s yeah and 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 so that's the thing so our core belief is based around fun you know fun playability game design Th that's the first core thing um and so to answer your question for our you know future look we don't even have to follow that seven year life cycle we can extend ours out even more, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's nine years, seven, eight years, 10 years. Um, because again, it's not about the graphics and the technology as much as it is the, the simplicity and the fun factor. Those are the most important things. And, um, and, and so, you know, yeah, we're going to launch with, like I said, we're working on 50 games now. We're going to launch probably with around 30 to 35 games. And then every two weeks or so, you're going to, we're going to come out every 10 to 14 days. Initially, we're going to come out with a new game, a new experience. Um, and so, you know, year one, you're going to get another, you know, 50 games. If we, if we did one a week, you'd get another 50 games by the end of the year. Um, but everything is curated. And this is my promise to, to folks out there is that we're not going to put out anything that's like 
less than stellar or mediocre, right? Um, it's, it's not our, it's not our mission, uh, to do something that's mediocre. We have like an internal scale. And if it doesn't score at least a seven out of 10 on our internal scale, then it's, it's, then it's something that, you know, we're not going to, uh, We'll either, let's say it scores a six and I know it's all relative and stuff. So I'm just being, you know, um, ballpark here. But if it's something that's around a five or a six that's scoring on focus group testing and different things, it's like, well, we can make one of two decisions. We can either put some more time and money and budget into it. Um, or we, or we just won't put it out, right? I'm not going to put out a five or a six. That's not what we're, what we're doing. And, and again, it's that value and trust proposition, right? If, if every single one of our games to an average person is like, Oh, wow, it's, it's really good. And they know that whenever they go into our shop area, the Amico game shop, and they go in that area, and they're like, I wonder, you know, maybe they're on the fence uh, about something and it's $7.99 or six euro or five euro or something. So if we, you know, can build that trust, um, and value with, with, with each, uh, you know, Amico user, that goes a long way. Cause I bet every single one of us, the first thing we do when we see a new game on the shelf or whatever, what do we do? We grab our phones and we go on Metacritic. Let's, let's see what, what people are saying about it, you know, like, because you don't want to spend 40, 50, 60, sometimes a hundred dollars now with some of these special edition games. Um, you don't want to spend that money and realize that, you know, you don't like it. So it's almost like you're taking a chance. So, so we're trying to like get rid of that whole mindset of, I hope I don't get ripped off, or I better do a bunch of research in order to see if I even want to purchase this, you know? Yeah, I mean, that that makes perfect sense. So I, I guess we covered uh, quite a few uh, topics, and I, and I hope you guys got the chance to represent, uh, you know, what the Amico is all about. Do you feel like there's any anything, any area that we haven't covered uh, enough that we should talk about? Jay, do you uh, maybe talk about because I love hearing Jay talk about like why he joined in television, like what That's what was idea. you know special about you know you know he had left the game industry over ten years ago, and this was something that you know kind of brought him in. So maybe maybe Jay can uh, mention that. Well, I, I mean, the thing that drew me to in television, and I guess drew me out of the industry what, 10 years ago? I remember maybe it was 15 years ago. And, uh, I was invited to, as a guest speaker to an internal meeting for a large publisher who will, re you know, remain nameless. And so I got up and got to do my old, my shtick and other presenters. And, you know, it was like the annual meeting for all the, the top players of the company and the CEO of the company stood up and said, okay, guys, Q&A. And he graciously let me stay. And, and one of the employees, one of the, the new, new developer leads uh, or, or studio leads from a studio that they had bought, raised their hand and they said, hey, you know, I've been looking at the, the numbers over the last four years and our, our media critic scores have been going down, you know, for the last four years. And I want to get your take on our quality issues. I mean, we're about making great games. We're all about making great games. And it feels like we're, we're losing the, the greatness here. How are we going to reverse this? And I'll never forget this. The CEO stood up and looked every leader of his business in the eye and said, guys, we're not about making great games. We're about making good games that sell great. 
<laughs> and I just collapsed in my chair. I just, it, there was a silence and a discomfort in that audience. And these are, you know, incredibly talented, creative people. I'm like, wow, if there was a way to take the wind out of your, the morale of your team, you just did it all the way, my friend, especially, especially the studios, you know, most importantly, the studios. And we had been cooking up this idea. I was super passionate about the indie community and opening our platform up to everyone. And by everyone, I mean everyone that was really committed to building video games. And so we had started XNA Studio and we were launching the indie channel and Xbox Live Arcade at about the same time. And it just got me to want to double down on that more than anything. And uh, what drew me into video games, like we've been saying in these, this phone chat, everybody's been sharing their stories. It was the arcades and it was the early consoles. I grew up with in television. And the the memories that I have, certainly specific games and their design mechanics, but it was a time with my friends. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, everybody's talking about AI, but our AI has gone backwards. You know, I played the most sophisticated AI the very first time I played Pong. It was Your another mom? person. Your brother, yeah. Another human being. <laughs> Amico's design, we are the most technologically advanced, highest, you know, AI, AI. rating of any game console <laughs> because the intelligence comes from the people on the couch. You know, the dynamics come from the people on the couch. We have genius game creators that are setting the landscape for these amazing opportunities and experiences for people to engage, you know, not to try to defeat the robots. And there's a lot of people focused on the robots, but we're, we're not. We're trying to keep, create a canvas for people. And so, uh, it was really easy. You know, I, I called Tommy, not looking for a job. I was punched out. I was retired. I just called him to give him a pep talk and say, Hey, you know, <laughs> I, I've been watching what Amico is up to. Uh, it really speaks to me as a, as a gamer, as a former industry guy. Um, I really think that, you know, you are spot on to returning to what the soul of video games was for all of us was, you know, this digital canvas that allowed us to have these these shared fun experiences, memorable experiences. And today's consoles, guys, I mean, it's just, it's too much work to have fun. I mean, it's just too much effort to have fun. And so the idea of creating a system where it's fun first, everything else is second, it's family first, all those valuable demographics and segments that everybody's chasing to get the most profitable uh, targets is second. It's family and fun. That's what video games always was for me. And Tommy's like, Hey man, team meetings on Tuesday. I'll send you a call. I'll send you an invite. And that was it. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't an interview. It wasn't a job <laughs> offer. I, w I was like, I got off that call and, and Brenda's like, you were on for a really long time. And she's like, it's not like you. You're usually doing all the talking. And I'm like, Hey, B, I've met my match. This guy at 52 <laughs> is every bit yeah. as passionate as I was when I was 29 and started the Xbox thing. You know, it's kind of <laughs> weird working for myself. It's a, it's a bit of a Twilight Zone episode, but man, the soul of the team couldn't be more aligned. I've been on a lot of teams. I've launched a lot of products. Um, I've been in a lot of different businesses and, uh, you know, everything that Tommy said, the spirit that Tommy represented on that phone call, which is the same on this call. Lars, I mean, I, you, you, everybody on the team feels the exact same way. And it's that spirit that's going to deliver something that's missing. 
Yeah, I can I can definitely feel that talking to you guys. I mean, the passion is clearly there, and that's why I think it's really exciting to to see what's uh, you know what's happening with the with the uh, with the platform you're creating, the experience that you're creating, and all the games around that. It's very rare. I mean, I work with a lot of studios, and uh, there are some that work for like you know the the current gen or next gen consoles, uh, all the other ones, and and sometimes they are lacking the passion a little bit. And uh, and I, I really think that this is the main ingredient you need to build something great that people are all share kind of the same vision of where this goes, and I. I can I can definitely feel that here. It's it's pretty cool. I think well, and, and every household name, every household brand, every product that you love and cherish, that was the root ingredient. The primary ingredient is passion. We could still screw this up. I mean, simple is easy to say, but it's really hard to pull off. You know, coherence is really easy to put up on a whiteboard somewhere and to say it in meetings, but to really align our execution to be as well aligned as our passion and the soul of this thing, that's our challenge. That's our biggest challenge. It's not advertising. It's not positioning. It's not anybody else. We're competing for people's leisure time. We are yeah. not competing in the video game space. We have to create a product, a standout product that families say, I want to spend my time doing that. That is a standout experience. And that's what we're dedicated to. Everything we do is in right now we're in the mode of, The dream is set, the team is here, the passion is unwavering, but the execution from here is going to be where it counts. We got to finish this thing right. And well, I guess Hans if you guys if a, you guys can't do it, then who can? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hans had a similar story as well, too. I mean, Hans, me and Dave Perry met Hans about 30 years ago. He was a young buck uh, journalist, you know, doing a story <laughs> about Earthworm Jim that me and Dave were working on. Or maybe it was Aladdin. Maybe it was even before yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Was it Aladdin? Yeah, it was even yeah. before Earthworm Jim. And a game that me and Dave were working on. So that's, you know, and, and you know, we've been friends. Uh, Hans has been a friend of both me and Dave's for for many years, you know, ever since then. Uh, I think we met in 94 at the very first E3 yep. or something, 94, 95. Um, and uh, gosh, was that 25 years ago? Holy crap, we're old. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you're only one, just remember, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. Um, so, but, you know, so Hans, maybe you'd like to, you know, tell the story too, because, Hans started out and he was the head of the official Xbox magazine in, in Germany and the official Nintendo things and all this, all these incredible. And he had worked his way up the ladder to CEO. Oh, there's a, a to CEO of Computech Media, which, you know, is quite arguably the, the biggest magazine and website for, you know, for gaming over the last 30 years. CEO of Computech for 12 years. And, you know, and again, I, I called up Hans and <laughs> or, or Hans, I think maybe had sent me an email. Hey, congratulations. And then I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then, uh, you know, a, a week later, he was, you know, handing in his res resignation. But <laughs> Hans, maybe you can tell that story about why. Why? Well, actually, Uh, it's, uh, you, you can't describe. Actually, there's a something going, something very special going on. From the very first, uh, so, uh, message from you, does anyone know a television over there in Europe? It was like, oh my God, a television. What is he doing? 
But then you sat down in May and then wait uh, on that's where I'm sitting right now, the presentation and to to uh, we're talking about uh, your, your project. And I, I've had the feeling there is something special going on and uh, it's uh, hard to describe. But my wife, uh, so I was looking for some developers and then you sent me a list with Moon Patrol. It was like, oh my God, Moon Patrol. I, I have a chance to work on that one. And what my wife said, he said, Hans, I, we were married now for 25 years. She, she said, I haven't seen you so uh, enthusiastic uh, that since 20 years. Because it's something like, oh my God, what is going on here? Just to imagine what is going on. And then, it, uh, and also I always was sure that I want to be, well, I want to be part of it or on a supervisory board, but that's so special going on and to look out for the developers to, to work on these games and to see what, what is going on. And then to, to really, I think, uh, There is only, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think we are going to change the world of gaming with Amico. We are uh, redefining it and to be uh, not only be uh, sitting here in Europe and shipping the boxes, but to, to be actually be part of the development and to work uh, with Tommy and Dave and now Jay. And, um, and also the most important thing is, uh, uh, about the team. If you go through, uh, uh, through our team, it's, Unbelievable what kind of people are there. And with, uh, now with Jay, uh, there are miracles happening all the time. And uh, I really know uh, when I um, started out being uh, here in Europe or uh, on my way doing my roadshow, what the reaction was. But it's so interesting to see that everyone who really gets what we are, what Abiko is all about, it's very, something very, very special. And so it was not, and uh, I started out as games developer in, in the 80s, uh, and I was always games developer by heart. And that it was like, okay, that's uh, so amazing, so amazing to, to work on that. And uh, it's not about, it's not about market share or money. It's about, Well, making something that hasn't been there before. And, uh, that's, and it applies to all the people working now for a television. You can know uh, there are big companies out there that could buy anything. But what we have here, it's, uh, I haven't seen that for uh, ever before. And it's, uh, and then the result is Amico. I mean, somebody like, like Jay coming, uh, on board, it's something who would have thought that and that's uh, talking to uh, to Dave about it and all your ideas you had now it's becoming to uh, it's real and uh, I think that uh, is something that hasn't happened since I don't know 20 years or whatever it's really something very special and uh, well we'll see what happens uh, at least it's a lot of fun doing creating all that stuff and seeing uh, people laughing and having fun when they play the games And if it's only my, my, my family having fun with cornhole and skiing, that's, and seeing the video from Jay and his uh, niece and his mother, it's like, that's why we are here for, to give entertainment to the people. And that's amazing. And yeah, I, let's hope that millions uh, join this party. <laughs> I can remember, Hans, when I saw you and, and you f we first talked about the Amico after you joined the team there and uh, and you kind of pitched it. I, I mean, I haven't known you for 20 years, but I've known you for for a few years and I've never seen you with that big of a smile like in that moment. You know, and you were like, this is really amazing. You know, you gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta see this. Uh, so it's really, really cool. So, uh, 
I would say thank you guys so much for uh, spending so much time uh, to share your vision of uh, the Amico and share your vision of what gaming should actually look like. Um, I I'm super excited uh, to uh, be part of this, to have the chance to talk to you. Uh, I can't wait for uh, your platform uh, to be uh, released and for the first people to get their, their hands on it and see the games that you're making. Uh, and I'm definitely going to you know follow what you guys are up to going forward. Uh, and I wish you all the best for, um, for this uh, endeavor, for creating this experience it's really something that the, that the industry can need so again well, thank you thank very you, much thank you so much and for all the developers who are listening to this and who kind of share in this vision of simple affordable family entertainment please go to our website in televisionamico.com look on our contacts page and you'll see a special sign up for developers so if you want to hear more and you want to kind of you know, change the world with us and, and create amazing, uh, things. We are looking for, for talented developers to help create their dreams. So, so I hope, uh, all the developers, uh, you know, out there, um, will, will join us in this amazing adventure. Absolutely. Thank you guys again so much. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the uh, journey that you guys have ahead of you. Thank, Thank you. Much, you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Lars. Thank you for listening to a free episode of DevCom Podcast. More exclusive content at patreon.com slash devcom underscore c-o-n-f. Produced by Sven Fossing. Executive producer, Stefan Reichart. Music by weloveindies.com. Supported by Bayer Dynamic. High-quality headphones, microphones, and conference systems for professional musicians and gamers. Made in Germany.